0: It's time to explore the unexplained, to delve into the mysteries of our world and the realms beyond, to seek out the answers to phenomena that defy conventional explanation. Welcome to Paranormal Underground Radio in the Dark with Karen Frazier and Chucky G, where that journey begins. evening, everyone. This is Paranormal Underground Radio in the Dark with your hosts, Chucky G and Karen Frazier. Yes, we have been gone. But actually, we weren't gone because we were on the, the air. We were just far, far away, somewhere else. Right?
1: No, well, we were gone. We were eating chicken well, yeah, last but, Thursday. Well,
0: yeah, Thanksgiving. I'm talking about before that, though. We or were at working
1: retail, one of the two.
0: <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, Black Friday, that evil word came by, and yes, I had to actually work.
1: Came by and in the book.
0: I did. I have to work Thanksgiving night from five to well, actually, it was five to ten. Then Saturday, then Sunday, then Monday, then Tuesday. <gasps> oh my god, I'm getting motion sickness. There we go. I'm better. And know. now
1: you're on vacation
0: your And mind. I'm on vacation. And the you're last not spending bit. it with me. No, I'm very depressed about that. Yeah, but you know what are you going to do? You know, but um, we have a wonderful guest this evening coming on, uh, yeah. Ms. Karen Anderson. She's an animal communicator and author. So that's going to be cool, right? I mean, I'm looking. I forward think to that. so. It'll be interesting because it's a little bit out of the norm for the normal people we have on the show. We did have an animal, see, I can't do it, an animal communicator before, but that was way back. So this is going to be good because this is a way forward. So there you go. Yeah.
1: Well, I thought the last time we had an animal, it was Heidi Wright, and it was when Rick was on the show. I mean, it was like oh, several yeah. years ago.
0: Yeah, I had one on, uh, I think, In the Dark Radio. I think I had a lady on there. Yeah. And she mm-hmm. talked about it. Oh, yeah, I did. That's correct. That's where I'm thinking about So, mm-hmm. but, uh, <clears throat> is it something special going on today, Ms. Frazier? Might um, be. Uh, hmm? Not that yeah. I know of. Hmm? Yeah. Liar, pants on fire. Okay. Um, so if you guys don't know it, uh, uh, Karen just turned twenty-one, so now 21. she can drink.
1: Sweet. I can drink legally. That's I right, can
0: drink legally. And uh, we have Ooh, some
1: 21, lovely... with twenty-one with a kid <laughs> in college.
0: And we have some lovely, lovely songs to play for you. So, oh, uh, tech girl, can you play those for me, please? Tech girl, I can. I can. Here we go. Hey, it's awesome. <laughs> Happy birthday to you, happy birthday to you, happy birthday dear Karen, happy birthday to you. That's right Karen, it's your birthday. You've reached the Mile High Club, we call it AARP. Welcome to the club, join us. We're all been waiting for you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Carol. Happy birthday to you. I do care okay, what you think. Huh? Oh,
1: so here's here's what's so lovely about it. Well, first of all, um, they were both lovely, thank you very much, and, and appropriate in their own ways. But, Chuck, yes. the Mile High Club, that is not my understanding of the Mile High Club. Well, um, it, it is because now. Because I, I thought I joined that, like, in my 20s. Oh, that's right. I am in my 20s. Yes. yes.
0: Oh, man. Slow on the draw there, aren't you, sister? Oh. Oh, I tell you yes. anyways, okay. But thank
1: so, you. That was lovely. You're welcome. You're both Any, lovely.
0: Anything for you. Oh, you're lovely too. Yes, Cheryl. Did you want to say something? I saw your your. I thought you were going to say something. A, a happy birthday, Karen. I know. It's yeah, Lego, yeah. You, you took out time on your birthday to spend with us uh-huh. here tonight.
1: So. that's right. In my in my sash and tiara, of course.
2: Of course.
0: Yes. yes. Mm-hmm. Awesome. So, guess what's happening? is now, Cheryl, roll it. When the world gets weird. And things don't make any sense. It's news of the strange and the eye. That is correct. It's time for some crazy, crazy news. Paranews, strange in the eye, whatever you want to call it. It's interesting. Check it's this one
2: out.
0: Yes, it is. And check this out. Is the DB Cooper mystery solved? Wait,
1: this can is- I tell you before you before you huh? start this DB story? Sure. Do you know that Jim and I both have a connection to D.B. Cooper? A personal connection? Really? Yes. So my father's roommate, college roommate, was on that flight. His name was Michael Cooper. And he was on that flight with D.B. Cooper. Okay. And, um... For months, they the FBI checked his bank accounts and stuff because they thought it was Michael Cooper. And it was actually originally reported as Michael Cooper, not D.B. Cooper, because as they were doing roll call, they just called out the last names. So they said, like, uh, you know, Cooper and D.B. comes before Michael, alphabetically, but, of course, Mike didn't know that there was another Cooper, so they called Cooper, and he said, here, and they called another Cooper, and nobody answered, and so they thought it was him. So, Jim's connection to the D.B. Cooper is that his na- his best friend's dad, who was his neighbor, um, was the guy who packed the bag full of money for D.B. Cooper. How mm. weird is that?
0: That is... That that's better than my story. Okay, I'm done. That's it. Just wrap it up.
1: Oh, that's, I'm sorry. No. Okay, so anyway, no, no. so so no, I cool. D- for because of that, I love DB Cooper's
0: story. Okay, well, this comes from um, Rob Crilly from the Telegraph dot uh, co dot uk. So, all right, so it says the man who successfully hijacked an airline in 1971 might have been a missing grocery store manager. That would be correct. The incident began when a mysterious man who at the time went by the name Dan Cooper boarded Northwest Orient Airlines Flight 305 to travel from Portland to Seattle. During the trip, Cooper called over one of the flight attendants and asked them to write out a note declaring that he had a bomb in his briefcase and that the plane was being hijacked. When the aircraft stopped at Tacoma International Airport, he allowed the passengers to leave in exchange for four parachutes and the sum of $200,000 in cash. After the plane had taken off again, Cooper strapped the bag of money to himself, put on one of the parachutes, and jumped out somewhere between Seattle and Reno. No trace of him who was ever found. Fast forward to the present day, however, and now a woman by the name of Lisa Lepsie, Lepsey has come forward to claim that D.B. Cooper may have actually been her father, a grocery store manager who had gone missing at around the same time the hijack had taken place. She made the connection after recognizing him in the news report about the incident. When the composite sketch of D.B. Cooper came on the TV screen, everyone looked at each other and said, that's dad, she said. "When we, we were stunned because the resemblance was unbelievable and my brothers and I were all sure that was our dad. Even if she is right, however, much still remains unexplained about the case, especially what happened to Cooper after he had parachuted from the plane. The discovery in 1980 of the wads of rotting $20 bills matching the serial numbers of the notes given to him during the hijacking had long suggested he may have perished after jumping out. So there you go. That's your little D.B. Cooper story right there.
1: Can you imagine that? Like some really notorious criminal and you see the sketch on TV and it's your father. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that would just freak me out. like, uh, is that the dad on the TV? Oh, my God. He had all that money. Where's oh the money? Oh, my God. Dee Cooper is my dad. Oh, my God. Great. Oh, we're going to get some good Christmas presents this year. <laughs> dun, dun. All right. So next one, dead landlord haunting his tenants from the grave. By Tom Wilson, Julia Marsh, and Raven Fenton from the NewYorkPost.com. He's dead and buried, but landlord Manette. I can't even say it. Menachem Stark, whose list of enemies was so long that the cops were scratching their heads to find a prime suspect in his 2014 murder is still making life hell for his tenants. Occupants of all 20 units in the pricey Williamsburg apartment building have been left homeless for the holidays because Stark had hired contractors who did a shoddy job causing the building's department to issue an immediate evacuation order Tuesday records show. A notice left on the door of 120 South 4th Street warned residents that the five-story building had questionable structure integrity because of the installation of substandard structured steel columns, trusses, beams, and welds. One of around 50 displaced renters Crystal, 25, Lemonade the Awful Timing on Thursday. It sucks. I would think that that would be a true statement. Why would they do this right before the holidays? She said, I'm really starting to get stressed. Units ranging from the studios to three bedrooms and go for 4200 to 5300 a month listings show. We all have stuff trapped in there. Textbooks, computers, and everything else said another tenant. I'm staying with my boyfriend. One of my roommates wasn't so lucky. He left before we knew, so he's going to come back and he has no work clothes. There was no word on when the tenants could return. Stark whose suffocated and burned body was found in a dumpster in Long Island in January 2014, had many foes, a law enforcement source said. Any number of people wanted to kill this, guy, the source said. So there you go. So he's gone, and he's still causing trouble.
1: Gone That's- but not forgotten, just like the tale of Johnny Rotten.
0: Yeah, I think I, you know, no offense, but I would think I'd worry more about when that guy's come back about his work clothes, where am I going to live? Where am I going to stay? Not where, yes. my, where are my clothes, right? I mean, yeah.
1: I mean, but you know, you need your work clothes to work to make money, I suppose. So,
0: I suppose. And the last one is no real big deals, no weird store or anything, but. I like it because I drink it. Coffee lowers the death risk. That is correct. Coffee lowers the death risk. And I'm Research-
1: going to die soon because I don't drink this.
0: <laughs> researchers have revealed that the consumption of coffee is linked to a redu- reduced risk of premature death. for those You know, wait a minute. Can I say yes? something? Yes, go ahead. Say something because I know you would because you're how a food do you, lady.
1: How do you reduce the risk of death if everybody dies? There is a 100% risk of
0: dying. I'm just saying if you consume it, then maybe this works. I don't know. Can I can I continue now? Would that be all right? Okay, good. For those who ingest multiple cups on a daily basis, there's good news. A new study has shown that the moderate amounts of coffee can have a beneficial effect on your brain and liver as well as offering reduction in the risk of developing severe several types of Cancer. Bioactive compounds in coffee reduce insulin resistance and systematic inflammation, said a doctor student, Ming Ding. <laughs> the name was <laughs> Ming Ding. It's so funny. That could explain some of our findings. However, more studies are needed to investigate the biological mechanisms producing these effects. The findings were based on an analysis of data from 200,000 health professionals who filled in questionnaires about their coffee and food intake every four years for three decades. The results suggested that those who drank up to three cups a day had a 9% reduction in the risk of premature death, while those who drank between three to five cups had a 15% lower risk. Drinking too much coffee, however, more than five cups a day resulted in increased risks. The coffee bean itself is loaded with many different nutrients in, is the cytochemicals, said the doctor. And my guess is that they're working together to have some of these benefits. We, similar beliefs from caffeinated and decaffeinated coffee, that's important because it suggests that caffeine is not responsible for the benefit. Outfits. So there you have it, folks. That would be the news for this wonderful evening on paranormal Ground Radio in the Dark.
1: Okay, but here's the thing. This yes. bothers me because you know I read a I lot know. of medical studies. I know. I saw you cases. cringing while
0: I was saying this. Go ahead.
1: And I, I send them to you. Um yes, you but do. what bothers me is that they the reporters are who report these stories are idiots, not you. But in general, because they always use phrases like decreased risk of dying. I am sorry. You do not decrease your risk of dying. You may change or postpone your date of death, but mm-hmm. death is inevitable. It's just like you don't ever decrease your risk of paying taxes. You have to pay taxes.
0: <laughs> yes, I do understand where you're coming from, and that would be correct. But, I mean, it's good if there's benefits to it to help you, you know, your health. I mean, that's okay, but, yeah, I don't, I don't think the dying parts.
1: Well, I saw how much coffee you drink, and so I'm sure you are excited about this one.
0: Mhm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't drink a lot of coffee. I drink a cup in the morning and a cup at night.
1: Compared That's to me, cool. you drink a lot of coffee.
0: Well, you because you don't drink any. Anybody would drink more coffee because you yeah, don't but drink you any. Are you are
1: an addict because if you didn't I am have not it, an you, addict. You were jonesing for it if you didn't have it.
0: Cuz I enjoy the taste doesn't mean I'm an addict just cuz I like the taste I want to have it. You know caffeine is majorly a You don't addictive. see me like in the corner going, <laughs> "Give me some coffee. I'll give you a 100 bucks if you give me some coffee." Do you do know that. that
1: caffeine is majorly addictive? Though it's an addictive well, of
0: substance, it is. Well, and of if it
1: you stop, if you didn't have your coffee, I
0: would you get you headaches. Get headache I get headaches, and you yeah, would be
1: tired, and you would be crabby. And you, <laughs> but I don't have, have to worry about, because about because to
0: it because I'm not going to stop. I don't have to worry
1: because I'm not stopping. I know, but see, you are an addict. Then
0: whatever, whatever.
1: I could stop. You're a paleo
0: addict. How you like that? You're a paleo addict. A paleo addict.
1: Yeah, That's there you go. Saw how I. But hey, now let's talk about this because you were just out here and you ate my food. And it was not at all what you thought, was it?
0: I'm <clears throat> sorry. I was drinking some coffee. What? I'm sorry. Oh, no. No, no, it wasn't.
1: It was delicious. Oh, and oh my what God. what happened to you? What happened to you when you got back?
0: I lost weight.
1: <laughs> Bam.
0: Damn it. Well, you made me sit down in air, too. For crying out loud. Yeah, you know what? That lasagna you made with the salami instead of the noodles, that was, I was thinking, this is going to be nasty. This is just going to be wrong. I <laughs> ate it. Oh my God. I could lather in that stuff. It was so good. I uh, you know, That's and crazy. it was spicy. It was, yeah, well, yeah. And you're when I had the, you the like
1: spicy stuff, and you like that, yeah. I
0: know. And I had the sausage soup. There was just a it was, Cheryl. You've seen it. There was a sausage soup, and I was eating it, but there was a piece that must have had like a lot of <laughs>
1: whatever on it. It was like the, it. Uh, the hot sausage.
0: Hot Bam! Sausage. It hit my throat. I was like, oh, oh, oh! making this face. Karen goes, "Would you like some water?" I'm like, "Yes," because I'm about to die. But yes, it was really good. It was spicy. Well,
1: and you ate mushrooms.
0: Yes, I can't believe I ate mushrooms. I I ate toadstools, people, fungi. So I, I eat, eat fungi. Crab. And I what?
1: Crap.
0: Well, I, what do you mean I ate crap? What do you mean?
1: Crab.
0: Oh, <laughs> I thought he said ate crap. Yes, I ate crab. That I never would have thought would have happened. Well, you know, there's two things I never would have thought happened. Eating mushrooms, which was sneaky because at first I didn't know I was eating them. I was like, oh, this is really good. And I'm like, oh my God, that's a mushroom that I just put in my mouth. Oh, I don't care. It tastes good. So I kept eating it. And then um, then we went and we had the crab. And, and you're like, just try it. Just try it. You're like, "My," it was like my mom, just trying to like shove the food in. I was at
1: just me. trying to get you out of your body. I know.
0: And I, I did. I ate it and I was like, oh my God, I should have got one of those. Yeah. But it was too late because I had my BLT. So.
1: Yep. So, and we had so last Thursday when we did the show, we'd only had a few adventures, and we had some more paranormal adventures, didn't we?
0: Um, yes, we did. You mean in Oregon? You mean? Yes. Yes, we had lots of paranormal adventures in Oregon.
1: To lots of paranormal places, huh?
0: Oh yeah, and there was some paranormal stuff that happened at that hotel. It kind of freaked me out a little bit. Um, I think the one that startled me the most because the uh, the one the one I was I was in my room and I was sleeping. And I rolled over. I, I, I've i been staying on one side of the bed because I'm so used to like a twin long. And I had this like, I don't know, they like, called a giganto bed. But it I'm laying on it. a size bed, yes. It's gigantic. So I'm laying on it, staying on my one side because I'm so used to staying on the one. And so I roll over to the left. I put my arm out. And I'm laying there. And all of a sudden, and I'm like half awake because I'm just starting to go back. To sleep, and I feel someone tapping on my arm. I'm like, tap, 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 tap. I'm like. Are you right. kidding me? I mean, seriously, tapping hard on my arm. So I woke up freaking out, because Karen's in my room, or someone's in my room. They're trying to wake me up. What happened? I wake up, and it stopped, and there was no one there. And I was like, "That was so cool." I mean, yeah, I mean, it wasn't yeah. like yeah, I think someone was tapping my arm. Someone was banging yeah, on my. You
1: arm. you wrote about our adventures at Fort Stevens in your December article, right?
0: Yes, it did. It will be coming out. Yeah, that was another. That was a crazy like right you could see it as it was happening. That was that was pretty crazy. But I don't say anything. I want people to read it.
1: To read the article. And you went to a haunted
0: shipwreck? I yep, went to a haunted shipwreck. And I we went to that. Um, yeah, we went to a haunted shipwreck. And then also when I was in the hallway.
1: Flavelle
0: yeah, House. Yeah, the House. And then when I was in the hallway at the hotel, this is the one that startled me. Um, I'm standing there. this oh, that's right. You guys were in your room. And I was like reading one of those. There's like this little table by the, the office. And there's like all these little brochures. So I'm just sitting there reading this brochure. And you know how when you know someone just walked up on you? So I'm thinking that someone like from the hotel had walked up on me. It was either you guys or someone to my left. And so I turned my head and I see a person from their head from their neck down. I didn't see the head, neck down like a white dress with like patterned black pattern on it. I mean, solid as me, and I just like that. And then all of a sudden they're gone. Just like that. There's like also I'm looking down the hallway and there's like no one standing there. And I was like, what the heck and so i'm trying to figure out maybe my glasses or like the floor and there's a reflect i'm like no i mean because i could feel someone standing me stand next to me i turn to look and and there's someone right there like standing right next to me so i kind of like startled so i kind of jump back and then as soon as i did that they were gone i was like that was amazing it was just so dun, cool dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. so i went back to my room and i changed my underwear and after that i was fine no just kidding but it did startle me. I was like, and then I was like, do it again, do it again. But it went, it didn't happen again. So you know, it just wouldn't do it when I wanted to. But yeah, that like, um, but yeah, Oregon, very nice place, very lovely place. I want to live there. Um, I like the hotel. It was just, I'm an antique freak, so. That was like, to me, it was like living in an antique store. I was like, oh my God, I could so, so, I could so get used to this.: I know,
1: I'm, I saw your eyes light up the second we walked through the door. you were like,
0: Ooh! Oh my God, I'm like over here. Oh my God over here, oh my God. It was like shiny stuff everywhere. I was like going to walk into a wall looking at everything. It was like I just it was. It was really cool. And the room I had was beautiful. That, that view was just on the bay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh.
1: Ugh. And you played, oh. you played at the ocean, you touched the water.
0: Yes, I touched the water because I had to prove it to Cheryl. She wanted to know that I touched the water, so I touched it and I took a picture.
1: You learned the proper way to write your name in the sand, which is not little.
0: Yes, it wasn't little. You guys showed me, but the big. And then the ship was that 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 sh- the spaceship. Wow, I was going to say that spaceship was awesome. The Peter
1: uh, Iredale. Yeah,
0: yeah, that was that was so cool. And then, you know, just like all the little towns around there were really cool. I loved the little ones, you know, the little dinky towns, you know, they were really cool. Um, all the little shops and stuff like that. And you I, like the I, Goonies. Mm-hmm. I saw the rock, folks. Both of them. I saw the Goonies rock and the Eternals. turn that double rock where the ones got the hole in the middle. I'm like, oh my god. Oh my god. I'm like, f- first when we got there, I'm looking at it going, that rock looks really familiar, but I just don't, I can't place it. And also I'm like, O-M-G, that's I'm no, and then she's like, Yep, that's it. I'm like, Oh my god, I'm staring at the Goonies rock. And then I turn and I look, and they're way out there. There's these two rocks with the big one's got the big hole in the middle. I'm like, Oh my god, I'm on the beach by where Goonies was. So then you took me to the town too. That um, was it, Astoria. Astoria. Yeah. Yes, where they shot uh, Goonies, Kindergarten Cop, uh, yes. Short Circuit, stuff like that. So that was, yes. and you could tell as soon as you saw the town that that was the town. The way it was like up, going, everything was going up it's the a hill.
1: Very, it's a very cute town with a lot of like old painted lady Victorian houses. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was lots, very cool. Lots of haunted stuff. It's yeah. and we did. <laughs> we tried to take you to as many haunted places as we could fit in. We had to be uh, back at the hotel. A lot because people were coming to see us. Yeah, uh,
0: you. Um. <laughs> yeah, it was cool. It was nice to 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 put. You know, to see the people, and and, and uh, just so you know, people, um, Karen, Jim, and everybody else, they have legs. I didn't know they had legs. I like, do.
1: I have that legs. Was just,
0: that was just the waist up kind of a thing. But, no, it's not. They actually have legs. so um, But, yeah, I got to meet lots of cool people, William Becker and uh, Rob, June Lundgren. Uh, oh, and then, uh, you know, and then Elaine and, oh, and everybody. It was just really cool. And then I got to meet my buddy, Jay. That was, like, the coolest thing ever, ever. There are some people I didn't get to meet Was I was kind of a disappointed, but that's okay. Um, can't meet everybody, but yes. And, and I got to wear Jay's hat. That was cool, too. I stole it from him actually. just to give me the hat.
1: Yes, we have a picture. We have, uh, you know, if you're friends, if you're Facebook friends with Chuck, trust me, you know everything that happened on his <laughs>
0: I'm a I'm a blogger. Is that what you're saying? I'm a
1: Tanner. S- Tanner blog. said when he was home at Thanksgiving, he said, that guy posts a lot of pictures. <laughs>
0: Hey, man, just trying to share the fun, you know. I try- know.
1: I, I said he was having a good time. It's yeah. all good.
0: It's like when you go on vacation. Who who on vacation doesn't take lots of pictures, okay? Everybody takes lots of pictures. I just like to share them with the world. Because here at home, I don't have a really big world over here. So I just share it with the world out there. There you go.
1: Yep. And, you know, and we had a good time. And, and Jim enjoyed spending time with you. And I enjoyed spending time with you. And Monkey.
0: Oh, yes. Monkey was my little buddy. That's right. Monkey warmed up to me, didn't didn't she?
1: Yes. Chuck had the privilege of hanging out with Monkey, and, you know, very few people have that privilege, so there you go.
0: And she stayed with me when you guys left, too. She stayed right in there. That's because
1: you were eating.
0: (laughs) I know, because I had food. She's like, I'll stay with you wherever you go, because I want that food.
1: That's right. The only time she doesn't follow me around is if somebody else is eating, and then she's right there with them.
0: Yes, and then I had to come home. After the crazy plane ride. With the rain, the plane ride on the way back wasn't bad. It was the one where we dropped in the PDX about a Mach 5 and scared the crap out of me. But other than that, it was fine on the way home. But then I came home to snow. Back to Chicago in the snow. There you go.
1: I know. But I'm you'll come my, out I, again.
0: Yeah. I'm just back in my dungeon now, down in the basement where I belong. You'll
1: come I back. You need to come out in the summer when we can go up to Wellington. And, you know, we can go to the museum. And, I mean, you could go to the museum in the winter, so... Oh, speaking of the museum, really quickly before we go to break. Yes. Um, So tomorrow night, the museum is having a fundraiser, the Lewis County Historical Museum, for those of you who are not regular listeners of the show and wonder what museum could you possibly be talking about. Um, And the fundraiser is their fourth annual evening with the authors. And they have a bunch of authors with their books. And you can buy the books and have the authors sign them. And it's a great way to um, get Christmas gifts. And the proceeds do benefit the museum. Um, and I'll be there. It's tomorrow night, Moose County Historical Museum from 5 to 7 p.m. Come see me if you're in the area.
0: There you go. Yeah, the museum's cool. One of these days, I'm going to get there and see Clarence. It will happen. Yeah. It will happen.
1: going to happen. That's right. All righty. Right, go to break?
0: Yeah, sure. Okay.
1: All right. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to take a break. And when we come back, we will be talking to animal communicator, extraordinaire Karen Anderson, and her son stick around you're listening to paranormal underground radio in the dark here on mixellar hey everyone it's karen frazier from paranormal underground radio i'm here to tell you about my latest book pioneer spirits investigating the haunted lewis county historical museum in the book i got together with patty valdez south sound paranormal research SSPR has actually interacted with the ghosts at the Lewis County Historical Museum for more than seven years, and the experiences that I've had there as a volunteer and paranormal investigator have been significant. So I'm excited to share the story of the ghosts there with you. I hope you'll pick up a copy of Pioneer Spirits so that you, too, can know what it's like to encounter one of Washington State's most active haunts. This book is available on Amazon.com, or you can visit my website at AuthorKarenFrasier.com. Do you want to keep up with what's going on at Paranormal Underground?
0: Then tweet us on Twitter at ParanormalUG.
1: Or follow us on Facebook at Paranormal Underground. Meet us on MySpace, Paranormal Underground.
2: There's no need to be in the dark about what's going on at Paranormal Underground. Join us on your favorite social networking site today.
0: The traditional light bulb, a groundbreaking invention In 1879, it's time we switch to longer-lasting Energy Star light bulbs. They're more efficient than the old bulbs, like a text message is more efficient than a carrier pigeon. And they cut down on our energy costs. Because in our own groundbreaking age, we deserve a light bulb that saves us some cash. Saving energy saves you money. Learn more at energysavers.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Energy and the Ad Council. So you're looking for the best in paranormal radio. Well, you just found it right here on Paranormal Underground Radio in the dark. Join me, Chucky G, and my awesome co-host, Karen Frazier, for topics ranging from the metaphysical to the unexplained.
1: That's right. Every Thursday night at 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. Eastern, and other times in the flyover states on MixLR, we will delve into all things paranormal. And along the way, we hope to entertain you and have a few laughs as well.
0: So tune us on Paranormal Underground Radio In the Dark, exploring the unexplained We are back on MixLR This is Paranormal Underground Radio In the Dark with your host Karen Frazier And me the lovely Chucky G The lovely and talented
1: Chucky G Oh well
0: thank you, well, thank right. you very much. You're pretty talented too. Uh, oh, so thank the, you too So this evening we have a Another Karen on the show Karen Anderson who's an animal communicator And author, hello Karen how are you? Hello there! It's the Karen, Karen, and Chucky show That's tonight. The, it's
3: the That's double K's. Right. I'm at the double K Ranch, folks. <laughs> That's right.
0: Here we go. Woohoo. Right. <laughs> Woo! Oh, you're going to be fun, aren't you? I can tell this is going to be fun yeah. already. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, okay, so let's start here. Let's start here, Shelby Karen. Um, okay. You were a former deputy sheriff uh, who was in the community of the rural Rocky Mountains of Colorado. Is that correct?
4: This is true.
0: I see. And um, so what took you from being a, a deputy sheriff, I suppose, you know, doing that, to what you were doing now, speaking with animals, you know, being a medium in general and such? I mean, what, what, what transpired to, to go from that to that?
3: Well, I just want to preface by saying, do you guys know um, the the show South Park on Comedy Central? Mm-hmm. South
4: Park? Yes. Okay, we- yes.
3: Um, South Park is a real place, and when I was a deputy, I actually worked the northern part of the district, so there was Park Oh, County. you worked with Officer Barb Brady. <laughs> <laughs> so there, there was a southern or south park, and then okay. I worked the northern Oh, got it. Park County. Okay. So if you thought I was crazy before, now you know I'm really crazy to mm-hmm. have worked up there, but that's a real place, and when you drive into... Like, if you're arresting someone and you're taking them to the jail and you're driving into Fair Play, there's a little sign on the side of the road that has Kenny Cartman and whatever the other guy's name is, and it says, says, Welcome to South Park. Yeah. Yeah. Welcome to South Park. Oh, my God. Love it. Yep. So, um... There's not a whole lot out there. It's wide open. It's like 10,000 feet up in the Rocky Mountains of Colorado. It's in the middle of nowhere. There's a lot of UFOs and cattle mutilations and weird stuff going on. So all those stories in South Park are true. But anyway, I worked the northern part of that district. Mm -hmm. And I had to, because it was a a rural um, mountain district, I had to work alone quite often. And right out of the police academy... They, it's, a, it's a boys' club, let's face it. Um, sure. Being on, a, on any police department, you have to be quicker, smarter, faster, shoot better, have higher grades than everyone else if you're a woman. So they tried to scare me, and they put me on night shift okay. straight out of the academy. Just to, so I would crack. They thought that they would make me crack. Mm -hmm. And um, I actually loved it. It was like the most exciting time of my life. I had the best time. I learned so much because I had to learn to listen to my gut feelings, my Mm -hmm. intuition, and I had to learn to read people and situations in a heartbeat because I worked alone. Okay. Okay. Makes sense. So you you ask how do I how do I go from cop to psychic? I don't know a good cop out there that doesn't have some kind of intuitive ability. They just don't call it that. Mhm. Right. And so I really sharpened my skills for my psychic work as a cop because I got really good at reading people. I got really good at reading energy. Mm-hmm. You know, most people we had a saying when we were um interviewing a suspect if their lips are moving they're lying. So you really have to try to read between the lines and figure out where the truth is and you start reading body language, energy and everything else that you can because that's all you have and that's right. how I developed those abilities. They were there the whole time right. kind of like, you know, swimming around doing a whole lot of nothing and then mm-hmm. once I put on the uniform and I went, you know, got the call to go out and respond in the middle of the night or whatever, I was on like, you know, high alert. And I really started to sharpen my skills, never knowing at the time that's what I was doing. I had no clue that's what I was gearing up for. I was just mm-hmm. enjoying the ride. Right. So that's how it all kind of happened. I started sharpening my skills. And then once I did that, it was like somebody opened the floodgates and all of the psychic informa- information. And and it was like it, it all got downloaded at once it was like
0: mm-hmm. it hit me like a ton of bricks it's like holy moly yeah well so, it's it, well it's interesting how you said that you know like uh, all uh all law enforcement they gotta they gotta have that gut instinct you know or the 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 hunch or the feeling you know what I mean but uh you yeah. know quite a lot of them don't admit to or say you know I believe in psychics or mediums or such either I mean um isn't that a would that be a true statement or an in, incorrect statement
3: um you know, it just depends. Um, there's, There are, like right now, I work with several different um, law enforcement agencies across the world mm-hmm. that, on cold cases, I help okay. them solve missing persons, and um, I especially like the cases where an animal was the only or the last witness to mm-hmm. a crime. I love mm-hmm. that. Isn't that fun? Yeah. Um, so you have some law enforcement that, are on board and that understand it and welcome it. And then you have others that are like hardcore old school, no way, you know. Right, yeah. Not buying it. Um, but they're dying out. They really are. They're They're okay. They're starting to fall uh, on the, on the wayside, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And some information is better than no information. And they don't really care sometimes where it comes from. They just want to close their cases.
0: Right. right. So... So... So so, how did you like? Did you did you do like? Did, I mean, did you start off with people before animals? I mean, you know, as far as be, <clears throat> being a medium and such, or how how did that come about?
3: Okay, um, actually, I, I started noticing while I was on duty. Um, and they always stuck me on perimeter because where are you going to put the – I was the only female on the department, so where are you going to put the female? You're going to put her on perimeter. You're not going to put her in the Congo line, which is, you know, going in the door right in the middle of everything. You're going to stick her on perimeter, you know, where she can't um, get in the way. And that's Mm -hmm. basically what happened. I got pushed out to perimeter. So I was always on the sidelines, and um, I began to notice that if there were animals on scene – um, even wildlife, like the deer, uh, they would often give me clues and tell me where the bad guy was. For instance, uh, one of the first cases I remember doing where I actually tuned into the wildlife is there was a, a DUI hit-and-run, and the guy bailed from his truck after he rolled it and smashed it into another vehicle, mm-hmm. and he took off running through a field, and this is at night up in the mountains, and there's no street lights. It's pitch black. And we had kind of put up a perimeter in the area that we thought that the bad guy was. Well, my sergeant and everybody else um, said, okay, well, we're going to go search in this area to the left. And Karen, you stay here, and you watch this area to the right. And so they all left me there by myself. And this Mm -hmm. herd of of deer started to come through. And they were kind of grazing off in the distance, and they were kind of used to people sort of. But I'm just standing there, you know, manning my post and keeping an eye out. And I noticed that the deer kept looking way, way, way to the right. They just kept looking over there. So I started paying attention to them. They weren't looking at me, and they could see me plain as day. They were looking way over to the right where there was nothing going on. So I started to move further to the right, further to the right, further to the right. And sure enough, here comes his head popping up out of the weeds. The bad guy was... Down, laying down on his belly, and the deer were tipping me off as to where he was. They weren't concerned about me because I was standing right there in plain sight. Right. They saw this guy kind of wiggling through the grass, and they're like, "What the heck is that guy doing over there?" Mm-hmm. So that's when I first started going, "God, you know, they're paying attention. I can get information from them." And it kind of snowballed from there. Then it went to there would be suspects. Um, for instance, I was. I got called to a domestic violence case. This guy punched his pregnant girlfriend in the stomach. Wonderful oh, guy. Yeah. So, you know, we're, we just, there was like six of us on scene. And, of course, again, they stuck me on perimeter. And they're all searching in the house and they're going in the basement in the attic. And I'm outside on perimeter. And this little cat just comes diddy-bopping out of the house, you know, with all this activity going on, and goes over to this little storage shed out in the back and was trying so hard desperately to get into this little storage shed in the middle of the night. And I thought, well, why in the world would it do that? There's six cops running around. Why is this cat trying to get over into this storage shed? Mm-hmm. And so I started watching it, and it was really trying to get in the storage shed. Well, guess where the bad guy was? He was in, in the, the storage store- shed. In the storage shed, yeah. Oh. So, I just started paying attention, and and realizing that the animals were really giving me clues and giving me signs, and that's where it all kind of snowballed. And then from there, Chucky is where I heard the first message from an animal in my head. In and, and it was that was a whole different story. But shortly after that, that's when that happened.
1: So, when I think my dog is telling on my cat, he probably is.
3: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, Absolutely. He's a tattletale. Okay.
1: <laughs> Good to yeah. you know. um, So, and, what other Oh, go
3: ahead. Oh, I, and I've had... Um, most of the time, animals are honest and they're very truthful, but I have had them either pull my leg or try to pull the wool over my eyes. So, for instance, like in a we'll just say a multi-pet household, if somebody's being naughty, maybe someone isn't using the litter box, um, I'll have the two cats pointing at each other going, he did it. He did it. <laughs> yeah, I actually had
1: that experience with two cats where one, one the, as soon as the second cat came into the household, it started pooping on the yep. pillows and, and totally pointing me towards the other cat. You could just tell that's what she was trying to do. So Oh, yeah. Oh, oh yeah. that's funny. But here's what I want to know. Okay, so I don't tend to think that animals probably think in the same way that we do. Uh, and I could be wrong. So when you have communication with them, is it symbolic? Is it literal? How do they, how do they communicate? I, it, like when you're doing it psychically.
3: Well, they're very much um, about their favorite topic is themselves. And their second favorite topic is themselves. <laughs> and their third favorite topic is themselves. So they really like to talk about themselves. Um, they are very, very tuned in to the moment and what's happening right now. They really don't focus on the past. That's a human trait. And they hardly ever reference the future. Again, that's a human trait. So what I've learned is that animals are very present right here right now what's going on at this moment in time so they don't think of oh gosh i have an upcoming event i better get ready for it you know they don't have that mindset they don't really rational that. yeah they don't really rationalize like a human you know like well if i knock this off the counter then this will happen they just do it And they do it because it brings them that moment of, ha-ha, look what I did. They don't really sit here and think about, oh, well, what's going to happen if I do this? They just know that at that moment, it's fun for them to do that. So they do it. Uh Um, I do have some animals that can be very conniving and, um, you know, some that lay in wait for you, you know, that sort of thing. And most of the time, animals are just very present. They talk about the here and now, what's happening at this moment, um, and that to them is the most important thing. They don't really get caught up on any of the other stuff that humans tend to, except I will say that our stress affects them almost as bad, if not worse, than it affects us. hmm huh. So, so if, if you're stressing out about something, chances are your animals are absorbing all of that stress.
2: Wow. It'll, so come
3: out, it'll, it'll come out in like a behavioral problem or some kind of manifest as a health issue or some other kind of weird problem. Mm-hmm. So, when
1: I would uh, be sick and my little dog, Peanut, would be right there with me, we used to call him Nurse Peanut because he was so... Right there with me. That was him absorbing my stress from being sick.
3: Absolutely, absolutely. And and some of it that's why they're with us. They're they're with us to help us through um, sicknesses and um, and other issues like that. <clears throat> and that's part of their journey because they have a journey and a purpose here, just like we as human spiritual energies have um, a purpose for being here. So do animals and a lot of them are here for us so that we can learn about love and we can learn about loss. You know, none of us want to talk about loss and having to say goodbye and and none of us want to deal with it when it's time to say goodbye, but that's really a big part of why they're with us, so we can learn about that. So taking on medical issues or taking on your hurt or your pain, I can't even tell you how many times when I've been sick and I crawl into bed, I have like 10 animals on me. They're like on me because they want to absorb all of that bad out of you. That's what they want to do. And that's not a bad thing. That's not like hurting them or harming them. But it's just good for you to keep in mind that they are a mini-me of us. They're a little barometer of how we are doing physically, emotionally, spiritually, and psychologically they're a barometer. So when when we're balanced and healthy and well and spiritually grounded, so too are they. When we're a mess and when we're all over the place, so too are they.
1: So what about if you have one that's or like okay, so I have four dogs and a cat. Three dogs and a cat are really balanced and spiritually grounded and just wonderful and one well one of them's dumb, but I mean so she's, we don't know what goes on in her head, but she's just happy and, and silly. Um, but the fourth dog is the most neurotic, upset, stressed-out animal and since the day we got him. So, so if they're a reflection of us, does that mean that they're all different aspects and he's just my stress aspect?
3: Well, there's, there's always, there always has to be some kind of a balance or some kind of learning Involved, So maybe this is something that you have to learn. Is this a dog that you're talking about? It is, yeah. Okay. And that's that's common in a multi-dog household or any multi-pet household. You're going to have some that are, you know, middle of the road and doing just fine, and then you're going to have others that are a challenge and that pose, you know, some kind of an obstacle of sorts. And, and that's normal. That's part of why they're with us. It's all part of the learning process. And so what you have to do is you have to take a giant deep breath and you have to sit back and look at it and go, okay, what is the lesson here? If they are a true reflection of me, what is it that I need to do to change or modify my behavior so that this dog or cat or whoever it is can have a more balanced, healthy life? They are still a reflection of you. It doesn't mean you're neurotic. It doesn't mean you have some neurosis or something like that. It just means that there's an area that you need to look at within yourself or within the family or under, underneath the roof of your home as to what's going on there. Of, you need to look at that and go, okay, I need to change and modify something because I have one that's out of balance. It's, it's not a bad thing. And it certainly isn't, you know, believe me, I live in a multi-pet household, so I know. Um, but it really is something where you have to just take a giant step back. And that's this is what I do every day with my sessions. It's it's hard to do it when you're standing right in the middle of it. It's hard to see your own yeah. stuff. Yeah. So I, I come in, and I'll have a client tell me exactly what you're telling me. Well, we have this going on and they've been doing this for so long and whatever. And then I get in there and I see wherever the imbalance is and then I can come in as mediator and go, okay, Karen, you need to do this and this is what we have to change and this is what we have to tweak and this is what you have to work towards. And a lot of it is is mental. I cannot tell you what, how many of my clients I tell them Um, well, how do you see that animal? Well, I see them as neurotic and they're just bouncing all over the place. Okay, well, change the way you see them. Think of how you want them to be, not how you don't want them to be. And just that one simple change can have a huge effect, huge, profound effect, just in the way you look at them and how you perceive them. Because think about it. If all you're thinking of, oh, well, that's my problem child and they're always doing something wrong, and they're always getting in trouble, and they're always neurotic, you're feeding that to that true, animal. that energy. That's, that's, yeah,
1: that's true. Yeah.
3: I mostly. are
1: getting. I worry that it's bad for him and that he's miserably unhappy because he's so afraid of everything.
3: Well, I will tell you that um, generally speaking, most animals aren't miserable. They're pretty content with where they are. Now, can we get them into a healthier state of mind? Yes. Okay. And that's again what i this is what I do every day. This is part okay. of my job and and how I get everyone to be in a healthier way it's just too hard to see it sometimes when it's your own stuff and and that's why I think I can really help my clients out because I can be a third person looking at the situation and going, "Okay, well, you just need to tweak this and sometimes tweaking is you know um uh, Ten degrees. Sometimes it's thirty degrees. Sometimes it's one eighty. It just depends on the situation. Well, that's really
1: fascinating. I've never ever thought about animal communications in the way that you're talking about it, which is that mm-hmm. it's uh, that it's about fixing families, including the animals, or not fixing. That's not the right word. Um, helping them make adjustments so that they can have better lives.
3: And it's it's so um it to me it's almost like a I, I go into it thinking, wow, you know, how can this animal be any way other than screwed up? Because everyone in the house thinks it's screwed up. Right. You know, everyone in the house has the same, oh, well, that's, that's the dog that's afraid. That's the dog that um, poops in the house. That's the cat that never uses the litter box. Well, how can it be anything different if that's the only way you think about that animal? It's like if you have... Yeah two different children, human children, and one is a uh, super overachiever and the other one struggles, you know, are you just going to keep berating the one that doesn't do as well? You're going to try to build that one up. You're going to try to boost their confidence. Right. You're going to do everything that you can to give that human child every opportunity to be the best they can be, not as good as their sibling, but to be the best that they can be. And this is where humans miss out in the animal world is they're so quick to label them as screwed up or they have a problem or they're the weird one or the one that just tears things up or whatever and they're never willing to give that animal the benefit of the doubt and go you know what you can be better I'm going to raise the bar I'm going to take you from a two to a ten and I'm going to raise the bar and I'm going to start talking about you in terms of how good you are and how well-behaved and how bold and courageous and confident you are, and I'm going to start boosting you up to bring you up to a 10. That makes perfect sense. I know, right? Yeah. I know. I'm giving giving away all of my secrets here, but that really matters profoundly. Now, what I also do is I go in and I tell the animal... What's going on? I I explain things to them. I let them know about changes that they're going to be experiencing. Um, I reassure them that their human isn't going to ever leave them or whatever the situation is. A lot of animals, especially if they are some sort of a rescue, you know, if they've been abandoned or mistreated or abused or from a shelter or whatever they carry that stigma with them because the human has it always in their mind that this is a rescued animal, so there's somehow something wrong with them or they had a, a bad past, and they never let that animal live to their full potential because they've labeled them as there's something wrong with them or they had a horrible past, and they just keep, they just keep this animal in the past. And it's like, let it go. let's Forget it. They're in a great home with a great mom and a great dad and a great situation, they have food and water and shelter and toys and treats and everything they could want, drop the labels and let them live to the fullest potential of being in the moment, being in right now.
1: Wow, that makes a lot of sense.
3: I'm kind of a psychologist of non-degree, non-educated in that, but that's kind of what I do. I have to sit here and and really explain sometimes to the humans. The humans are harder to work with than the animals. The animals. Oh, dream, of course know. they are. <laughs> the animals are like woohoo, you know. I'll, I'm game for that, but the humans, I have to really get them to stop doing certain behaviors, and it's like ah, hmm. you guys. You know, so, Karen, we need Yeah, we need, this-
1: yeah, oh, we need to take our top top of the hour break. Um, okay. I I don't want to because we're on a good roll, but we need to. So. Um, we're going to take a break, and when we come back, we'll keep talking about this because it's really, honestly, really fascinating. And you're you're talking about it in a way that I haven't considered it before, so I appreciate that. So stick around, everybody. You're listening to Paranormal Underground Radio in the Dark here on MixLR. We'll be back in a few minutes.
0: While cutting molding with a 12-inch dual compound miter saw, while holding a newborn baby in your arms, when face to face with a congregation of alligators with the ball in your hands and the entire freaking season on the line. There are a million places you'd never consider texting, by so parents,
3: why would you do it while driving? NASCAR driver Casey Kane here, asking ask you to, as to please
0: stop you're the text, and together we can stop the wrecks. Brought to you by the Ad Council and the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration. Get the message at StopTextStopWrecks.org.
1: Do you want to keep up with what's going on at Paranormal Underground?
0: Then tweet us on Twitter at ParanormalUG.
1: Or follow us on Facebook at Paranormal Underground. Meet us on MySpace, Paranormal Underground.
0: There's no need to be
2: in the dark about what's going on at Paranormal Underground. Join us on your favorite social networking site today.
0: So you're looking for the best in paranormal radio. Well, you just found it right here on Paranormal Underground Radio in the dark. Join me, Chucky G, and my awesome co-host Karen Frazier for topics ranging from the metaphysical to the unexplained.
1: That's right. Every Thursday night at 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. Eastern, and other times in the flyover states on MixLR, we will delve into all things paranormal, and along the way, we hope to entertain you and have a few laughs as
3: well.
0: So tune us on Paranormal Underground Radio in the dark. Exploring the unexplained. We are back on MixLR. This is Paranormal Underground Radio in the dark with Karen Frazier me, Chucky G, and our wonderful guest Miss Karen Anderson, animal communicator and author. We've been having a very interesting talk so far and now I have a question. Are you ready Karen? Okay. Alright, here we go. So, uh, when we're talking about uh communicating with animals okay uh i would like to know is there a difference in intelligence when we speak to each one like a horse versus a dog versus a cat good question i wondered that too uh, i was like curious you know it's like um you know because you know you have dogs are pretty intelligent beings Mm -hmm, um well yeah but i mean in general you know there are different uh aren't there are there different levels of intelligence with animals
3: Good question. And um, before we go any further, I have to say happy birthday to Karen of the Thank you. five oh. oh my I God. know. Can you believe that? Ugh. Welcome to the fifty and over club. I'm uh, part I of that club. That. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. So anyway, um, happy happy birthday. And I'm also I think you're Sagittarian like me. Yes, so, that's yay. right. Yeah, my birthday was on Sunday, so we're very close. I know, I know, happy birthday to you, too. Yeah, Ron's was on Monday, and so, anyway, okay, um, uh, that is such an interesting question because you hear about things like, oh, dolphins and whales are so intelligent, and, Mm -hmm. you know, blah, 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 you know, apes, primates, uh, gorillas, so intelligent, Um, pigs, so intelligent. Okay, here's what I've learned And truly, this is based on actual experience. This is um, what I have found to be true. You take any random sampling, and we'll just say um, a control group of 100 different types of animals, from cats and dogs to chickens and horses and whales and dolphins and lions and tigers and whatever else you want to throw in there. In that random sampling of 100 animals, you're going to have a certain percentage that are extremely intelligent, you're going to have some that are not, and you're going to have the majority that fall somewhere in the middle, Mm -hmm. regardless of what they are. Same as if you took a random uh, sampling of 100 different people. You're going to have some that are extremely intelligent, some aren't, and the majority are going to fall in the middle. And it doesn't matter where they come from, doesn't matter how they were raised, doesn't matter, you know, what color their skin is or their eyes are, doesn't matter. The majority are going to fall somewhere in the middle. And, and if you're communicating with, like, whales and dolphins, uh, you're going to have some that are total goofballs and, you know, not the brightest bulbs in the sky kind of thing, mm-hmm. but then you're going to have some that are in- incredibly off the charts. Mm-hmm. And then everything in between. It just depends. Each animal is so different and so unique. They're as unique as we are in that respect. And it depends, too, on what you consider intelligent because if if that would be me trying to decide what is intelligence, is intelligence knowing human stuff or is intelligence being really tuned into animal stuff or is intelligence just being really present and aware. I mean, it kind of depends on what your definition of intelligence is,
0: too. Well, I would say that you know, uh, if, you're, if we're going to we're going to talk about that, then I would say, uh, for instance, do animals? All right, so you you communicate the animals. Do animals understand we're humans? Do animals understand that w- that how we think versus how they think? Because you know, like you said, they're just kind of in the moment as they go along. Where you know we have this issue of <laughs> trying to think too far ahead, trying to plan things out ahead, that kind of stuff. So, do they understand that there is a difference between the species, or it doesn't? Do they? Care, you know what I mean? I mean, what, what, how does that work?
3: They don't care, really. Um, they are very in tune with us, though. So when they perceive the world, when they, and I'll just take dogs and cats, for instance, because that's the most common pet right. that people are around. I hate to call them a pet, but uh, the most common... Animal, animal companion. companion. There you there go. There we go. Yep. Um, they are pretty much in tune with what's going on around them and they're human. And I'll give you a, for instance, I just had a session um, where this was a deceased dog. Now remember, this is a deceased dog. Okay. Okay. No longer here. Body is gone. It's now just energetic form. This dog all of a sudden kept selling me herbs like green herbs all around me and i was kind of stumped i didn't understand it so i'm i have the their human on the phone with me and i'm saying is there a reason why i would suddenly be surrounded by herbs like oregano and parsley and all of these herbs and i I said i don't know does someone like to grow them does someone like to cook with them i don't know what this is well and the the client she's it was a husband and wife and she started laughing she's like oh my god um She said that over the Thanksgiving holiday, she was in charge of making the stuffing, and she inadvertently put way too much sage into the stuffing, and it ended up ended up being horrible, and nobody could eat it. It was like eating alfalfa, you know. It was just so strong, Mm -hmm. and so it was. She was the butt end of every joke. So the deceased dog, now a week after Thanksgiving, is bringing up an event that happened to its human over Thanksgiving the animal is being tuned in to what's going on with their human. They don't necessarily need to know the importance of Thanksgiving or the importance of the person or the importance of anything. They're just tuned in to their human, their loved one. They're Mm. just tuned in, paying attention. Even though they're not physically here, they're still experiencing the same thing that their human is, is experiencing. So it's a different kind of perception. They're just very present and aware is, I guess, the best way for me to describe that. Did that make sense? I don't know if that makes sense.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Are are animals creative? Can they be creative?
3: (laughs) Yes. They can be very creative. Um, They can be very conniving and very, um, um, I'll say, too smart for their own britches. Um, Yes, they can. Are you going to come across
1: like a cat poet or something?
3: Like a what? A cat poet or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, um I have seen all kinds of stuff. I have heard all kinds of things. I have had a horse tell me that its humans business was in the red, losing money. Hmm. A horse. So And it was interesting the way the horse showed it to me because the horse didn't say my human's business is failing. The horse showed me upside-down numbers. And I kept saying, why am I seeing numbers that are upside-down? And the the human was like, well, that's probably because my business is not doing really well right now. So how does the horse know this? They absorb our thoughts. Thoughts are things. They're real. So if you have a thought going through your mind an animal can absorb it. They don't necessarily understand the full concept of, oh, the business is failing. This means Mm -hmm. that they could lose their job, their income. They don't think like that. They just will share something to me that reflects that moment, upside down numbers or the, the herbs all around that there was too much sage in the stuffing. So it's, Mm It's a different way of perceiving the world, but you see how it's very much in the moment. It's all about yeah. what's happening presently. Right. And, you know, it's not about what happened two years ago. It's mm-hmm. really not about mm-hmm. that. That's, if you're a human and you're living in the past, shame on you. Get into the present. And if you're worried about what's happening in the future, knock it off. You can, all you can all you can do is be yeah. in the moment and if you're not present and in the moment then you're not really living
0: okay yeah well yeah then that you were yelling at me because i'm always looking trying to figure out what's going to happen ahead of me yeah
1: um, I, we I, have this conversation a lot Chuck and this. i
0: sure. I mean i i'm out of the past finally and i'm trying to i'm trying to live in the now with things that are going on in my life but i i worry a lot about what's ahead you know so i know that i'm gonna be okay so but i'm trying to learn not to do that but it's a very hard
1: lesson you're always okay that's the thing that's what most people don't realize you're always okay right
3: and you have to start projecting out there of exactly that that you're going to be fine and picture what you want and what does that look like and manifest 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 yeah and um you know that it's it all comes back to energy and the law of attraction. And, right. and it really does get really basic. You know, the animals are just, um, they're like our gifts. We, we mm-hmm. have them for a while. And we have to learn as much as we can while we have them. Even the ones that give us a headache, the ones that drive us crazy, the ones that mm-hmm. make us, you know, pull our hair out. And they're with us for a reason. If you can just sit back and go, okay, what is the lesson here? What am I supposed to learn? I must need, this is something I need to learn in my life or about myself and I'm not right. willing to look at that because the problem is ongoing. So if you have an ongoing problem, it really is something that you're not willing to look at in your own self. And, mm-hmm. and that's where I come in. I come in and I go, okay, you know, Here's what I'm seeing. Here's what the animal's telling me. Here's the goal. Here's where we want to get. This is, these are the baby steps that we have to take to get there. Or this is right. what we need to do to set you up to get the best result that we can get. And, right. and that's kind of the work that I do. Mm -hmm.
0: Well, yeah, and I I get that. I mean, being a psychic medium myself, it's funny because I get that, but it's so hard to apply it to yourself, you know? Um, It's easier to apply it to other people, but it's always trickier to apply it to yourself. I mean, I I do manifest quite a lot and stuff, but um, yeah, I I do agree with you that it's it's something I'm, I'm working on it, you know, so I'm getting better at it. Um, Uh,
1: But Chuck, you manifest it all. You don't manifest quite a lot. You manifest everything, your life, is a yes. reflection of your ability to
0: manifest,
1: whether yes. you do it consciously or unconsciously.
0: Right. Yeah. And that's but the the trick with that too is that you know when you let life like run in front of you like a movie, and you start to pay attention to it in that respect instead of just thinking what you want, um, it, it it can it can throw you off course. You know what I mean? That's all I'm saying. You know, is for a that's second. only human. Yes. Yeah. Um, now there's a question from Bob. Uh, in a chat, he said he wanted to know, uh, do animals have chakras? That's an interesting question.
3: Yes, of course they do. They they very much do. And they get out of balance just like we do. Um, and usually an animal chakra will be from the solar plexus chakra. Um, a lot of fear-based or a lot of insecurities. But, um, and great question, Bob, but it goes back again to the human. I can almost always trace it back to the human, some kind of insecurity or fear issue that the human isn't willing to deal with. I can almost always trace it back. So, um, yes, and they, they are, um, they're very much more in tune with their bodies and the earth and the seasons and all of that stuff. A lot of behavioral issues will pop up when the seasons change or, You know, when we go into uh, January, um, a lot of cats start misbehaving and they're marking their territories and just not going in the litter box and all this craziness. Well, January is is a time where cats start breeding, and that's why we have springtime kittens. And so it's like even if they've been spayed and neutered, there are still hormones in their bodies, and they're still reacting to the seasons and the environment and those subtle changes. So Mm -hmm. I get inundated with calls in January for cat problems.
4: Hmm.
3: Um, And also when when the time changes, when the days get shorter... Um, that's another big indicator of behavioral problems. Uh, like so, like
1: now. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay.
3: Animals are re- yep. They're responding to the changes in the environment. So a lot of what goes on is environmental. You have to think about the reproductive cycle of certain animals, cats and dogs, and various things. They're very tied into that natural stuff. Mother nature is a very very strong force, and we forget that. We think, well, they're domesticated. They really shouldn't have any more instincts. Well, sorry, but they do. And you have to really look at the individual, especially if it's a dog. You have to look at the breed. You have to look at what the DNA is telling it to do. And then you have to make sure that you're doing whatever you can to provide that dog with the best situation and circumstance and environment so that they can be the best they can be. You know, don't go get a herding dog if you're not going to be able to mimic the herding for that dog. You know, right? Dog, you're not fair. So that's where I see a lot of behavioral problems too. Is that the human is in denial about the animal that it has, or it wants to humanize the animal? Well, can't it just like stop barking constantly at stuff? And it's like, well, no. If it doesn't have anything else. <laughs> to do or focus on you would constantly at things too if you were going crazy and didn't have another outlet for that you Mm -hmm. have to provide an outlet so um, and the animals are really um, they're so easy to deal with they're they're not always cats let me rephrase that (laughs) (laughs) all you cat people out there are like oh yeah I know what you're talking about my cat thinks it's a
1: dog so it's okay oh my
3: god Cats are a—they're um, a trip, man. They are just so trippy. Um, it is such a back and forth game with a cat um, because they're hard to motivate. You know, it's really tough to get them on board. Um, you really have to be willing to be flexible and try different things and be patient with a cat. Where a dog, most of the time, you can get them on board and motivate them. You know, fairly mm-hmm. quickly. But but mm-hmm. cats are are much more difficult to deal with when it comes to behavioral issues. And I will say that the number one problem that I see that could solve so many issues with cats is that the humans leave the cats to their own devices for play and exercise. And if the human would just engage more, especially if they're indoor cats only, if the human would engage more with them, not leave the same five toys out on the floor 24-7, bring something new in, rotate the old ones out, bring something new and different in, give the cat something new and different and interesting to play with or look at, you're going to have far less behavioral problems because what happens, the cat attention span is about 10 seconds. And once that 10 seconds is up, they're going to go looking for something else to do. And trust me, if you leave it up to them, you're not going to like what they choose because they're going to pick on the other cat, or they're going to become destructive, or they're going to stop using the litter box, or anything else that they can do because they're so bored. They're bored completely bored out of their minds cats were not meant to be indoors and and i'm not a hypocrite i'm kind of a hypocrite because i have indoor cats so i'm not being i'm not trying to be mean i'm just stating what i've learned is that cats were not meant to stay inside 24 7 you need to provide new and different and interesting things for them or you will pay the price in Mm -hmm. some cases
0: so, so I have a question for you. Here's a yeah. serious question yeah. to do with dogs and cats and such. Do they like to be dressed up in clothes?
1: <laughs>
0: Got to know this because sometimes <laughs> in poor animals on Facebook, they go, what the hell you have on me?
1: Now, so. monkey only wears clothes when it's cold out and she's going <laughs> outside.
0: But- yeah, well, sometimes, man. What they put these poor animals in—it's like I would be embarrassed to be wearing that. So, no, answer the question: Are, Do they like the clothes, or do they not like the clothes? Um, you
3: know what? That is—that's yes. just. It's so
0: individualized. Honestly, there's some that really oh wait a dig minute,
3: it. that's a cop out. Come on. No, there's some that really dig it, and then there's uh-huh. others that hate it.
4: They just okay. are like, are you kidding me? Get this off of me. You know. That's a, yeah. And you can usually
1: you can usually tell by looking at them which are which. Yep. Because the yep. ones that have the clothes on that feel like they're stupid are the mm. ones with that look on their face.
0: Yes, they have that on yeah. my... Oh, like, yeah.
1: Like, just ab- like, abject humiliation. Yeah,
0: it's like Ralphie and Christmas Story, which he's are in the bunny. Yes. The bunny. Thing. It's like, my God, what did you put me in, for crying out loud? <laughs> so, yeah. I I, I, <laughs> I needed to know this answer. It was an important question. I know. Huh? I
1: actually have a very important question, too. Alrighty. My pets okay. seem to believe that I am responsible for the weather do they actually think that I'm making this happen? Because they sure look at me like I, it's my fault.
3: Oh, boy, yeah. See, I have three chihuahuas, so I know what you're talking about. Because, you know, they're, these are heat-seeking, heat-loving yes. dogs. And if, you know, when the temperature dips down below 20 and I open the door for them to go out, they just look at me like, you're kidding, right? You're kidding. <laughs> you did this to me. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I'm not going out there. You know, they don't, they don't want to get their little footies wet or cold or they don't want to splashing on them. And oh my gosh. Yes. So, um, but you know, again, they are, um, they're very manipulative and that's, that's quite a, it's, it's, it sounds mean, um, but animals are really good at manipulating. They're really good at, Making us do exactly what they want us to do, oh yeah, and, mm-hmm. and and they're they really are good at this, and so that's the other thing that that comes into play a lot. It's like people will call me up and say, You know, oh, you know why is this one animal doing this? and I'll say, Well, because you're allowing it, yep, well. And then they'll argue with me <laughs> about it. <laughs> and then the, I have the animal going me, yep, Karen, you're right, yep, 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 yep. And so I'm telling the human, no, your animal is telling me you do this. And they're like, well, you know, it's because I feel bad for them. Or I, I feel, you know, like, oh, I left them. I had to go to a meeting today and I had to leave them alone for four or five hours or six hours or whatever it is. And so... Mm-hmm. You know, they're they're really good at manipulating us and getting us to do exactly what they want, and that's not a, a bad thing unless you're kind of letting it get out of hand and that you're not maintaining the control because this is a scenario that I see often um, when it comes to be- behavioral problems, and this is cats and dogs, horses too, um... Not so much horses, but i got to throw them in on this category, too. And, and definitely birds. Anyone who has birds or parrots, you know. Oh, my God,
1: familiar. yeah. I used to have a parrot that was, like, the boss.
3: Oh, yeah. They are so mm. bossy and just so demanding. Oh, um, yes. But normally, um, the way that we would like to see the perfect family picture is... You know, the, the hierarchy is that the humans are in control and then the animals are beneath them on the hierarchy and doing what the human wants them to do. Well, that's in the perfect, like, you know, leave it to beaver kind of scenario. That's hardly ever the case. Hardly ever. Normally, when I connect with an animal and I can feel their energy and see their energy and I hear the messages that they're telling me, it's like the animals are behind the wheel of our car and they are flying down the freeway at like 150 miles an hour and they're turning left and turning right and going wherever they want. And we're at the back seat yelling, stop, stop, and slow down and turn left and turn right. And they are not even listening to us because they're doing exactly what they want full speed ahead. And this is a train wreck. This is a disaster waiting to happen. But this is in the majority of the situations because we allow it. We give them that control. So I have to work with my clients to get them to take that control back and take the keys away from the animals and say, no, you're not old enough to drive, you don't even have a license to drive, get out of the driver's seat, and I have to teach my clients to get back into the driver's seat.
0: Mm-hmm. So that's why I don't have animals right now.
3: Well,
1: just... <laughs> so, as I, so, so I, I will admit, I am not in control. Never been in control, they always have. Um, oh, Yeah. And yes, and Chuck has witnessed this firsthand. Especially
0: monkey, yes, especially yes, monkey, little
1: monkey, monkey. Especially, she is, she, she is the boss mm. of everyone. She is the queen. Yes. Um, but so I, I can, I can tell you exactly what you hear from your clients and how they rationalize. Well, oh, but it'll hurt their feelings, and they'll be so exactly. upset with me, and they'll be so forlorn yep. and not understand. And yep. the animal's been this way for ten years. What am I supposed to That's do right. now? Yeah. So then, yep, what do you exactly. tell those people?
3: Exactly. And that's what happens. And then I, I tell him, well, you know, then what you're experiencing is going to keep happening yep. and you'll have to keep dealing with it because you're allowing it. And as long as you allow it, they're going to take full advantage and they're going to do what they're doing. Right. So, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a human thing As as much as I'm you know, even still to this day, and when I got into this line of work in the first place, it was because of my love of animals. I had no idea that I would need a degree in psychology for the humans. <laughs> <laughs> I know.
1: That's yeah, fine. that's Holy so Carol, true. I thought the I'd... other thing is we humanize our animals. I mean, we, per- we, we you know, ter- we attribute yeah. human thoughts, feelings, and behaviors to our animals when they What's are the not humans. They are We
3: do. We
1: uh, do very much.
3: Animals.
0: Yeah, yep. and you dress them up, and, and you see,
3: and we we do we dress them up, and we you know <laughs> we treat them like family, and you know it, it's fine if you're if that's what you want to do. I I spoil mine, um, and I have a couple of ones that challenge me, and you know my guys get really jealous when I've been working all day, and I've been talking to all these other animals. They get really jealous, and cranky with me, so I have to make sure that I'm spending the right amount of time with them and giving them, you know, one-on-one time. And I think that's where a lot of us fall short, is we're not giving them enough one-on-one time. We want them to entertain themselves or Uh um, to find something to do, especially cats. People think cats should just, like, go and sleep all day or something, and (laughs) they really need more than that. Go do cat things. Yeah, some of them do but um i have to just switch over here real quick and talk about um one of my favorite topics which is animals in the afterlife because this is just such um you know i know for, at least for me anyway it's so hard when we have to say goodbye to mm-hmm. our animal loved ones and um i want to share something with everyone that's listening because Um, it's kind of become a little bit of a mantra for me, but um, I've spoken to literally tens of thousands of animals over the last 15 years. And in that time, I've had maybe a handful, maybe a handful of animals, like less than a dozen, tell me that their human took them too soon. Okay. The overwhelming majority tell me, oh my gosh, why did they let me go on and on and on? I was ready to go.
1: Yeah. So in that's other words, big. so so we're talking about euthanizing animals and I Correct. mean, that's a That's a tough choice to make. When do you, how do you know? Because, okay, you know because you can communicate. So how do we understand and better communicate so that we can know when it's an appropriate time to go and set our own emotions aside for the good of the animal?
3: Well, that's the problem, setting your own emotion aside, because we don't do that. We put our emotions first and go, uh-uh, I'm not ready to say goodbye. I don't want to make this decision. I don't want to make that phone call. I don't want to make that trip to the vet. I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to. Can't they just go on their own? And, see, we're already extending their natural life because of the health care that we have for them and and veterinary care. We're, we medicate. We give them insulin, we give them, we do x-rays, we do surgery. We're already extending these animals' natural lives. If we weren't in the picture, they would have perished, you know, most of them a lot sooner than if we were in the picture. So you have to think of it that way, that we're already extending the life. And that's fine. I do it too. But there comes a point in time where the animals are unable to do their daily whatever they do, eat, drink, and go potty. If they can't eat, drink, and go potty without your assistance, then you really need to have a sit-down meeting with yourself and say, it's time. The animals don't want to be in a body that's failing them any more than you and I do. Mm -hmm. And because they are so in the moment... That all they know is that right now when they can't even get up, when they can't go potty, when they can't keep food down, that this is the way it's going to be because they're in the moment. This is how it is. They don't rationalize it any other way. This is forever. It's This is not fun for them. This is not, oh, I might get better in a week or two, or I might have a few good days in a month from now, or I might you know, bounce back in a little while. They don't see it that way. They are very much in the moment. And I'll always tell my clients, you know, it's a private and personal decision. I will never tell you when it's time to say goodbye to your animal. But what I will tell you is when they are ready to go, and the animals will be very clear and say, you know, either, no, I'm fine, I'm doing great, I can't see, I can't hear, but I'm happy and it's all good, or they'll tell me, Karen, I'm ready to go. Anytime, I'm ready to go. They are so accepting of the death process and dying. They don't stress about it. That's a human thing. Mm -hmm. Animals have a very strong built-in instinct to survive and that's mother nature but they don't stress over dying that's humans Mm -hmm. right so go
0: ahead no sorry go ahead and finish
3: so um when, when you have an, an elderly animal and it's struggling and you're, you're going to be in a, a roller coaster ride because there's going to be good days, there's going to be bad days, there's going to be, oh, they're better today or they're worse tomorrow or whatever it is, um, you have to really get it in your mind first and foremost. What is in the best interest of this particular animal? Are they able to eat and drink and go potty by themselves? If they can't do those things, then you really need to start making a serious decision to help them with their transition. And I call it a transition because, you know, we really don't die. We just transition into a different form. Mm -hmm. So um, that's what I tell my clients. And there's also sometimes they'll they'll give you a look where they're just not themselves or they've just kind of checked out. They're just not there anymore. They're not who they used to be. Or if mm-hmm. they start doing something weird, like they'll go sit in a corner and stare at a wall, and mm-hmm. they've never done that before in some weird place, they're trying to tell you, I don't want to be here anymore. It's, this is not fun for me. Or when they distance themselves from you, that's really a common thing, too, because you know, in, in nature, um, an animal will, will go off by itself. It'll distance itself from the herd or the flock or the pack or whoever because that's what it that's normal. That's what Mother Nature tells it to do because it doesn't want to bring predators into the rest of the healthy group, so it goes off by itself and it either succumbs to its illness, its injury, or it's taken by the predators or elements or whatever. And that's, that's natural. That's what happens if we're not in the picture. But we're in the picture and we're pumping them with medication and we're extending their life and we're trying to get them to hold on longer and longer and longer and it really does come down to the basic needs and that's what i remind my clients are those basic needs eating drinking going potty if they can't do those things um, then you're really getting close to the time and of course every animal is unique and every situation is unique but that's when you really have to start looking at it Hard and I'm I'm horrible I am the biggest crybaby of all when it comes time to do that I don't like to do it any more than anybody else does but I've learned over the years to step out of the way and not have myself and my feelings first it's not about me at that point it's about them
1: we had a dog that was um went outside and we live up kind of in a wooded area and um for some reason uh well we think the dog was eaten by a cougar or captured by a cougar and we tortured i i don't know if we did i tortured myself because all i could think was the absolute fear and terror that this poor dog felt in the last moment so do they feel those things as it when that stuff happens
3: oh you know this is such a great question thank you for bringing that up um i'm going to share a for instance for you um a lot of the times I'll have a, um, a client call me and they want to know what happened to their animal, that the animal is clearly passed on and what happened. What you know, Was it hit by a car? Was it taken by a mm-hmm. The animals <clears throat> rarely want to talk about what happened. The humans always want to talk about what happened. So... In the life of the animal, it's, like, not important. It doesn't matter how they died or who ate it or who hit it or what ran over it. It doesn't matter to that animal. In fact, some of them don't even hold that in their memory, or it happened so fast that they don't even know. They honestly didn't know what got them. Um, The human always wants to know the gory details. The animal's like, eh, let's talk about something else. You know, that's not really what's important to me. <laughs> Excuse me. So that is a great question. And I'll tell you that if you've talked to any human who has had a catastrophic accident, let's say they've been in a major car accident and they even were in a coma, they'll have memory leading right up to that event, but they have no conscious memory of the accident. They have no clue what happened to them. They just know they woke up in the hospital or whatever. Right. So it's not even a part of their their conscious memory. Now on a higher level it's probably all recorded in there but on their conscious level, no. They don't even remember. It's like a blank. And animals experience something very similar where if something takes them or overtakes them or if, they're, if they go suddenly they don't even have a conscious memory of what it was. They just know that they're gone and Our imaginations are always far worse than what has actually transpired.
1: That's good to know.
3: They will even tell me that even if we see, and I'm sorry to get real graphic here, but if we see, like, the body jerking around and them, like, you know, struggling and, oh, my Mm -hmm. God, and, you know, no one wants to see an animal struggle, the animals have told me that they've already checked out, that that's just the body Reacting okay. to Physical nerves and stuff—they're already, they're already gone. They're already okay. out. Okay. That's so, good to know because, like I
1: say, I tortured myself and it's about right. that. Yeah.
3: Right, and I have too. I I carried around yeah. for thirty-five years. I carried around guilt about a similar thing that happened to me, and and so those kinds of things we create in our minds a much worse scenario than what they actually experience and very few animals ever want to talk about how they died, what happened to them, how much it hurt, how much they suffered. That's a human. That's what humans want to know. Animals are like, hey, I'm fine. I'm with family. I'm with loved ones. I'm doing great. You know, I see what you're doing. I'm around you all the time. I'm in my favorite spots. I'm having a great time. That's what the animals want to talk about. Humans want to talk about all the blood and guts and pain and struggles and all that. It's weird. It's like a... So weird how different our brains work.
0: Yeah. So, so, so there's a question from Chad, and 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 I had the same question too before. I actually,
1: I, I actually did too. And this has to be our yeah. last question because we yeah. got to start wrapping here. No. Right. Uh, I
0: know. So uh, the, the question is: uh, Do animals reincarnate? Do they come back?
3: Yes. Absolutely. Sometimes, okay. Chad, they come back several times in our lifetime. Yeah. I have had situations where. They come back not only once but twice and sometimes more times than that. So, yes, they do come back. And usually cats will come back as cats, dogs will come back as dogs, horses, horses, birds, birds. But there's no rule book. So if someone wants to come back the next time as something else and it's in their highest and best interest and spiritual learning and spiritual growth, there's no rule book. But the majority of them come back as what they last were
1: cool. Okay. So now we are at shameless self-promotion corner where we ask you to shamelessly self-promote, tell people how they can find you, um, and you know, any projects you have coming up, etc.
3: Yes. Well, let's see. I am at, the easiest way to get me is through my website of karenanderson.net. Um, I'm also on Facebook. I really don't, know how to do Twitter. I'm still really challenged. (laughs) You know, I do
1: Twitter but I don't get it.
3: I don't know what I'm doing. So if you go to Twitter I will ignore you because I don't know how to do it. So (laughs) I'm on Facebook and um, you can find me there of course Karen Anderson Animal Communicator. I think I'm on there or something like that. Um, I do all my sessions over the phone so it doesn't matter where you are or where I am. I work off of photos And um, uh, they're scheduling right on my website. I have an animal communication workshop coming up in Seaside when we're all at the Wheeler Hotel, which is going to be in, what is that, April?
1: The Oregon Um, Ghost Conference, that's right.
3: Yep, I also teach um, uh, private consultations. You can find out um, the pricing on that. I teach just over the phone, one-on-one consultations, just you and I on the phone. And, um, of course, scheduling for um, humans and animals, I'm also a medium, so I connect with deceased humans as well. And it's all on my website. I have a book here, All Creatures. It's on Kindle. It's on Amazon. You can also get a hard copy from me. And um, other than that... um, Gosh, you guys! Thank you so much for having me. I'm really I could sit here and talk for another two hours. I know.
1: So. I feel like we barely scratched the surface, but you know what? We know. can have you back on another time. Cheryl, Cheryl can get that scheduled um, because this has really been fascinating. Like I say, I think I told you off the air um, is that whenever we we've only had a couple. Of, you're I think the second animal communicator who's been on our show, and both times I, I just. Um, always think, well, I don't know, communicating with animals, and then it's just so fascinating.
3: (laughs) Oh, well, thanks. I hope so, and it's, you know, it's, to me, it's my everyday life, so it doesn't seem weird or unusual to me, so it's like, hey, this is what I do for a living, and I've been doing it for so long now. it's, so it's like,
1: ridiculous. Oh. I think it's just been a little bit of a closed-mindedness on my part, which is funny because, you know, I'm an animal lover, um, and I'm a psychic medium, and so for me to say, well, I'm just not sure about animal communicators, when <laughs> honest to God, I mean, I think I talk to dead people. How is that any weirder? At least a lot of right. the animals you talk to are alive. Right.
3: <laughs> right, I know. Right, and who's to say we can't do stuff? You know, who's to say you can't right. communicate with an animal? It's like who says we? Who? Why not? Why can't right. we? Heck, no, you most of them are most of them are smarter than than
1: all of us. <laughs> that's right. No, you've made a lot of sense, and you've made me think about some things very differently. And so for that, I I, I appreciate it. Thank you.
3: Cool. Well, thanks so much, you guys, for having me on. Truly appreciate it. And
1: yeah. Have a I great hope night. I come
3: back. Uh
1: Thanks, Thanks. Thanks, Karen. Good night.
3: Bye.
1: There you go, Chuck. Animal communications. There you go. Pretty fascinating stuff, huh?
0: Yeah, it it is interesting. The stuff she, you know, I still try. I still try to wrap my brain about around the idea, if at all, Um, and the fact that the, you know, like the 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 interesting thing was that the animals are just in the now. You know, they're not like Mm -hmm. thinking ahead or whatever. But at the same time, if an animal is deceased, they have to be. I mean, at some point, they're missing the human companionship so they have to be but thinking somewhat like that but then they
1: come back or they come visit you in spirit or you know I, the, mm-hmm. the thing is is it's so hard for us to get outside of our own ego driven lives I think to that we, we anthropomorphize everything I mean we do oh sorry we I'm we, sorry
0: what the hell word was that we
1: attribute human qualities thank you anthropomorphize
0: stop throwing those big words at me I don't know what the <laughs> hell you're talking about
3: <laughs> Cheryl knew. Cheryl knew. Yeah.
0: Well, because you're writers and all, you know, I'm just a I'm just an amateur writer and a lowly little guy from No, Illinois, I
1: know, but right? I didn't I didn't do that to throw out a big word, but my point That's is like, is we attribute human qualities to everything. She's like, you know, my Christmas tree mm-hmm. has a name. You know, my car has a name. Yeah. We, we we
4: Yeah. Right. We
1: and so we're, it's it, inconceivable for us that anything would be different and have a different mm-hmm. thought process i mean i'm pretty sure that my computer judges me <laughs>
0: <laughs> it does Since i think so I yeah don't, don't judge like keys, like don't, my don't especially my, my searching
1: keys. well no it probably judges like my my
0: my <laughs> googles
1: searches? yeah my googles and stuff
0: why are, why are you what is
1: wrong with this messed wrong up with chick, man
0: <laughs> don't touch my keys anymore doing that i don't want you doing that
1: I know. Well, Ooh, my my, my important
0: question was: I needed to know if the animals liked being dressed up because I'm telling you, there's a lot I of pissed off that. animals I feel out that there. was
1: directed at me.
0: <laughs> no, Did I knew Jesus? you were gonna, No, it's funny because I knew you were gonna think that because here you are crocheting something for monkey, a
1: blanket.
0: But, but I was talking. Yeah, I know, but I was talking about like you know when you see the animal and it's on yeah. Facebook and it's got this goofy it's like got a tutu in there, and a hat and yes. like and it's going. See, and it, it has that look like. Seriously, are you freaking kidding me? Really? Yeah, seriously? I'm no, those dog.
1: animals hate
0: it? it. Yeah. They just hate it. I'd hate it. They well, like, okay, the- okay so my, my
1: dog Spike, sure. my yeah. dog Spike hates being cold. And so he'll let us put a coat on to go outside, for instance. Okay. Yeah, and, okay. you know, like, Monkey had a sweatshirt when we were on the beach because it was cold. And she didn't right. seem bothered by that at all. And we would no. take it off if we were going to be inside and she was running around. And, you know, so. Well,
0: I'm confused about that too, because aren't animals having their fur, that's that's what's supposed to keep them warm, not goats.
1: Not not all dogs. I mean some dogs are warm weather dogs. Uh, you know, oh. like she was saying about okay. her chihuahuas. And yeah. with Spike, Spike part of it is that he's eleven years old and he just you know, he his bones hurt when okay. it gets cold. So I we know. we we dress him warm so he can go outside.
0: I speak from lack lack of knowledge, you know, just trying to understand how
1: Now old. I would never dress my cat.
0: Mm-hmm. Or put like your dog in a parka, like in you know, an Eskimo parka with a little hood and everything. And...
1: No. I mean, look, when it was cold on the beach, Monkey was fine in her little hoodie.
0: Oh. Yeah. She was shaking, though, a couple times. There, well, and man. then we
1: wrapped her in blankets or put her under yeah, our coats. Yeah, that's
0: cold. Mm-hmm. And I don't yeah. blame her either because I was freezing my butt off, too. I wish someone had wrapped me in a blanket. But, so you
1: know. there you go. She has fur, but was she warm? No.
0: No, she wasn't. Okay. I got it. No problem. Cool.
1: I'm glad that you, that Chad asked the reincarnation question because that was one that I wanted to yes. ask as
0: well. I was waiting for him to get done talking so I could go. I just want to know, do they come back? And I was just like, you know, we know what people do. So it's like, you know, and, it, and then she answered the other question for me before I even got out of my mouth was, do they still come back as dogs? Can they come back as people? Yeah. Do they? yeah. I got to ask that they come back as people, but she said they can come back uh, differently if, they, if it's the knowledge they need to know or whatever. So, you know, I, yeah, that was interesting.
1: And I feel so much better about my dog, Peanut, getting eaten by a cougar because that happened like probably five or six years ago now. And I still have tortured myself about that and how his last moments must have been of pain and terror and, and all of that.
0: It was probably, so. like a, probably like a, and then he was like, I'm done. I'm done. Good. I'm over here now. I'm all good. Or, you know, he could come back. He, he could be back right now on the planet somewhere else. A mm, kind of I pe- think
1: if he came back, he would come back to us. You think so? I do. Right.
0: Okay. Well, I yes. guess. Peanut,
1: I- Peanut adored me. Well, you okay. know how, like, Monkey adored, adores me? Yes. Peanut had even more devotion than Monkey, too. Well, Monkey.
0: I'd adore you if you carried me around, too, all the time and took care of me like that.
1: I, I let her walk. She just doesn't want to a lot of the
0: time. <laughs> I let her walk. I didn't say you didn't let her walk. I just said you carry her own Lawrence. She's all like tucked in nice and the little backpack thing. It's like, put me in one of those. I'd be fine. I'd be happy. <laughs>
1: Could you see me carrying you around in a front pack? <laughs> how would that that would have been a great promo well, picture yeah
0: i got the i got in the backpack of uh, the front the front little packy thing and we just would have hit the ground because I, I was just i
1: was gonna say how would that have even worked because i'm pretty sure <laughs> you outweigh me by, by i don't event. think that
0: would have worked at all it would have been funny to see the picture but and, and
1: you're a lot taller than i am
0: yeah i'm pretty sure that wouldn't have worked at
1: all maybe but. you should have put me in a front pack
0: there you go i could put you in a little front pack and watch around this is karen
1: it's my friend karen see Scratch me under the chin every once in a while.
0: There you go wrap you up in a blanket when you start getting all chilly and shaking and stuff. There you no,
1: go. instead you put me in a back seat.
0: <laughs> I didn't. I all right. I, I and nobody I puts baby put in a in corner. corner. I did not put you in the back seat. Though <laughs> so you know what? You you didn't you enjoy the winding roads in the back seat when Jim was going. Oh, oh my
1: god! So oh. I have a new appreciation for our children who had to ride around in the back seat for years. It is a different ride in the back seat. I felt like I was in the back car of a roller coaster, man. Every time we'd go around a curb, I'd slide across the seat. It was, a, <laughs> it was an interesting ride on. in the
0: front seat. I'm like hanging on with the little handle thing because he's going,
1: we're not going to make the corner. We're not going to make that corner. Yes. You, were, yes, you were holding the broken, oh shit here. I, I was. Because, well, yeah,
0: because I was oh shit a few times, man. He takes some corners pretty good, though.
1: Well, I mean, but that's a road we drive a lot, and it's just a winding road. It's just a winding road.
0: I'm not used to that. I'm used to just straight old, you know.
1: Well, you know. I'm not used to the whole back seat part of it, man.
0: <laughs> oh. oh, and you didn't you didn't tell? Uh, did you tell Cheryl how monkey slid from one side of the car and it was so boom, boom, right into the <laughs>
1: door? <laughs> Jim hit the brakes. Monkey was laying on the seat next to me in the back seat, and I don't know if I have armor all the back seat, oh, so it's slipperier. So but and Jim hit the brakes, and monkey went flying and hit Chuck's seat. She, I was like, oh my god, she got up. She was like, oh, I'm fine. Poor I heard it's monkey. like
0: thump. I'm like, what the I hell know. is that thumping sound? It's poor monkey, I know. Okay. Well, we only
1: have five minutes left, so right, let's talk ahead. magazine yeah. and show real quick.
0: Talk, it. talk yeah, it.
2: Come come back next week. Um, same date, same time. We'll be talking to paranormal. Not authors. same date, same day. Same day. Did I say date? You did. Uh, I meant to say day. Same okay. Time. <laughs> uh, Marie D. Jones and Larry Flaxman. They have written a number of paranormal nonfiction books. So that should be interesting. We'll be talking oh, I, about I, I'm all sorts about of things, paranormal things, from, from ghosts to time travel to any, probably anything and everything. And then uh, the week after, that's the 17th, we'll be bringing back on our good friend Robin Marie, Psychic Medium.
3: Oh, cool. We haven't mm-hmm. talked to
2: Robin Marie in quite a while. Yeah, I think I looked it up and it was. it's been at least two years.
1: Yeah, it's mm. been quite a while. I was on her show, but yeah. that was probably a year ago. Oh, wow. Yeah.
2: Yeah, and then we're actually going to be off for two weeks. We're going to be on hiatus. Uh, Christmas weeks. and New Year's. Christmas Eve, or yeah, Christmas Eve. Oh my
0: God! And then New
2: Year's Eve, we'll be off. So don't miss us too much.
0: I'll have to go in the bathroom, pretend I'm on the radio show, and just talk to you. <laughs> all right.
1: I'd like to remind you quickly that if you would like to get all of the updates about when the show goes on the air and things, uh, please mm. visit our. MixLR channel, MixLR.com forward yes. slash paranormal dash share underground dash radio yes. and click on following or follow. Oh. Uh, it's it, on the left hand side of your screen. It's a little red bar and it has like it says like plus follow. Click on that and you will never, ever miss a show update again.
0: Never, ever, ever, And tell your friends, too. You got to share. You got to start spreading the word, man. We got to get people. Come on, people. Let's go.
1: Come on, this is a good show, right? You enjoyed yeah, this, this right? Awesome yeah, it's you like listening show. to Karen. She was fascinating. And Chuck and I are, as always, charming. And Cheryl is charming as well. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I like the way Karen's the fascinating one, and we're just the charming ones. I see how that works. I well, that's, that's because
1: you. I'm not very charming. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, sure you are. Stop it. <laughs> oh yes
1: anyway anything else yeah. Cheryl that you want to toss in magazine will be out <sighs> well, Yeah. <I'll> um,
2: <laughs> if, you haven't, if you haven't read our November issue go to paranormalunderground.net. you can get a copy there and mm-hmm. the December issue we are working on currently so check mm-hmm. that out at some point this month it'll be ready to go online
1: and send us your dreams editor at paranormal we can do them anonymous and uh, you know we need to interpret your dreams
0: Yes, we right need. now, go yes people. There's plenty of them out we there. You know, you know, you know. You dream, people. Let's go.
1: Otherwise, what you're going to get is several of us are poorly disguised of our own <laughs> dreams, and I just don't think you want those. I mean, no. seriously, I have some pretty messed up dreams, and you may not sleep for weeks if I, have I can to start make interpreting
0: I can mine. one up and just send it in. I woke up. I was in a dream. I was a donkey. What does that mean? Oh, it's a donkey on a, in the Sahara Desert, and I can make stuff up. It means you're
3: anything.
1: an ass. Yeah, but it, but it doesn't, there's, there's a certain amount of, a, a, along with the symbols, there's a certain amount of intuition yes. that goes into connecting the symbols yes. as well and interpreting it. So, um, that might be a pretty, it would probably be kind of whack and not make any sense.
0: <laughs> and remember, people, I am an ass.
1: Well, because you're a donkey. I know. <laughs> Well, that was really not nice of me, but you have to—you have it to be funny. nice. To you because no, you it's okay.
0: Burn. I know I deserved it. I took it like a man.
1: You, you took go. it like a man. Took it like okay. A man. All right, well, yes. then let's do this. Uh, Jim yes. is going to take me out to look at Christmas lights, especially <sighs> the as seen from space house. No. So okay. we should sign off so I can go see the house that you can see from space, and keep an eye on my Facebook because I will post pictures of the Yay. as seen from space house, as I do every year because that house is like the most exciting thing i've ever seen
4: okay (laughs) happy birthday thank you
1: we'll be back next week 6 p.m pacific 9 p.m eastern other times in the flyover states uh 8 p.m in illinois and thank you you everybody for listening to paranormal underground radio in the dark here on mix lr you have a great week good night
0: good night thank you night If you'd like to be a guest on Paranormal Underground Radio in the Dark, email us at editor at paranormalunderground.net. And until next week, remember this. If something looks out of place or doesn't feel quite right, it could just be something paranormal.